Kelly and I, a few months ago, were traveling, kind of traveled to a larger city, and while we were there, we happened to go to one of the biggest malls that I can remember being in. I mean, it was huge, multi-story, all these different wings, huge mall. And I'm like, babe, I thought malls only looked like the one we have in Santa Maria, right? (laughs) Wow, was I wrong? It was huge. And Kelly like wanted to go to one store in particular, and I won't tell you which one that is, she can tell you later. Um, She might be wearing some jewelry from there. It rhymes with frighten, so no, okay. So. Anyway, so she wanted to find this one store, and we go in, it's just like overwhelming. You know, have you ever been to one of those malls where it's like, everything looks the same? You know, it's like clothing, 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 coffee, clothing, 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 hot dog on a stick. It's like, haven't we seen hot dog on a stick before? And you just feel like this could take a month of wandering, trekking through the mall. Like you need a Sherpa guide with you, you know, like to get you through this experience to find what you're looking for. So what do you do? You find a directory. There's got to be a directory. And sometimes the search for that can take a long time. But but when you finally get to the directory, you don't stop there. What do you look for on the directory? You are here. Ah, thank you. Because you have to orient yourself for where you are and the direction in which you're pointed if you are actually going to like get somewhere and make progress. And it is so easy. Listen, that's just a little illustration. It is so easy in life to kind of lose ourselves, Maybe get overwhelmed, lose our bearings, so to speak. And when we lose our bearings... And I'll tell you, during times kind of that are chaotic, maybe a bit traumatic, like we've all experienced collectively over the last couple of years, it is really easy to lose your bearings. And when you've lost your bearings and don't know where you are, where do you point yourself? Because how will you even know that that step you're about to take will actually be progress and not regress? You're not going backwards or just going in circles, but you're actually charting out a course to say, okay, I know where I'm headed. I know where I'm headed. It's like we really need a directory. We really need that you are here beacon saying, oh, now I know where I am. I can move forward, right? Listen, folks, that's the point of the series that we're in. These dialogues that we're having through the month of May is about, we're calling it up and to the right, which will be clear to you uh, in a moment if it's not clear already, but where we're using a really simple little model, a little graph. And uh, in fact, we have a handout for you. If you did not get a handout, wave your hand. We got ushers that are gonna run one over to you right now because you're gonna want it. Raise your hand if you don't have a handout. Front row, we, we need a, a few sprinkled around. And listen, if you're joining us online or listening to the podcast, this is available for you as well. Um, right on the screen, you'll see, or if you're on the podcast, I'll read it out to you. But you can just go to a website and download today's handout. It is bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y, slash up and right, everybody say it, three, up and right, three, because this is the third message in this series. And you can go back, of course, and listen to the other messages as well, or watch them on YouTube. But we're, we're using this little model. We're using this little graph 
to help us orient ourselves to find out where we are here. In fact, on this little graph, a couple weeks ago, we actually went so far as to like, we identified where we were. We took that bold step of saying, man, I think this is right where I am today. No wrong answer there, right? But we identified specifically where we are so that we could say, God, how do I now move up and to the right? Why are we calling it up into the right? Well, if you look at the graph, I'm just gonna do a one minute refresher so that we're kind of all on the same page, is that all right? And, uh, and then we'll continue on with the dialogue. But on that little, that little graph that you see, there's a top, bottom, left, right, and at the top, it says high encouragement. High encouragement is where, man, things are positive because you feel loved and accepted, joyful even, and it's like, wow, this is really healthy. This is really good. This feels awesome. And it does. But at the bottom, you have the opposite. And that's the low encouragement end of the spectrum where it's like, whoa, discouraged, beat up. And probably some of that also has to do with feeling isolated, like alone on the journey. This is all the weight is on my shoulders, super low, right? On the encouragement scale. But then there's a left and a right. On the left, you find where it says low challenge. This is like we were super relaxed, bro. Like super relaxed. There is nothing motivating us or pulling us forward. And if we're not careful, we can slip into laziness and like non-productivity where we're just not getting anything done. Why? Because there's just low challenge. We're just chill over on the left, right? Left, not right, okay. Because on the right side is the opposite and that's the high challenge side. That's where there is this mega motivation. Like we are gonna get stuff done over here. We're like called to vision and mission and accomplishment, productivity. Like we're not called to just like relax all the time. We need challenge and vision and let's go, okay? That's the let's go side. And you notice that there's these four little quadrants within that graph so that we can help define. Now, we're not gonna talk about the three unfruitful quadrants today because we did that over the last couple of weeks and we talked about how we can begin to break free. Please go back and listen to the messages. I think it could be very, very helpful to people who feel that they've been stuck in one of these unfruitful places in life and no one would blame you because I've been there as well and learning to get unstuck. So, where are we today in this conversation? While there are unfruitful places, right, the cozy, the bored, depressed area, or the stressed areas of life, what we've been talking about up and to the right is getting to this place where we would step into this fruitful area. This quadrant we would describe as fruitful. And it's this beautiful and awesome combination of both high encouragement where we know we are loved, we know we're accepted, but at the very same time, we are being called forward. We're like being pressed into this like calling and mission that, no, I have more for you. There are greater things ahead that you're being called to. And when we find ourselves kind of at that point of high encouragement along with high challenge, 
Man, that's that place where we just say, I am feeling like I can be fruitful here. I can bear good fruit. And what we talked about is that right up in that upper right-hand corner is where Jesus is himself. Go back and listen to the messages. But that's where Jesus is, and he's like beckoning us, calling us, inviting us to that place where there's both super high encouragement right along with really high challenge because God, his intent for you and for me is to be fruitful. In John chapter 15, we actually read that that is when God is glorified, is when his kids are bearing good fruit and much fruit. God wants you to be crazy fruitful in your lives. He wants that for our church as well, which we're gonna begin to talk about next Sunday. But today we're still just talking about us individually. So, God is calling us to this full life. But here's what we know, not only from scripture, but from our own life experiences, that life does not always work out that way. It's not always up and to the right. That's why we even on the little graph here, we've got the little broken, you know, arrow that's like, oh, we're doing good, oh, down, we're going down, we're going down, mayday, mayday. And, and, then, and then, but then we can, we're not stuck, we can rejoin this effort of moving up and to the right. But we can be stuck. And you don't get a pass on being stuck in these other unfruitful areas just because you're a follower of Jesus. Followers of Jesus, just like you and me, we can get stuck into unfruitful areas as well. I want you to listen to something, and it's there on your handout as well. We'll put it up on the screen too. But something the Apostle Paul talked about, because I think he was speaking right to this reality. And he was speaking to a church, a church in the city of Ephesus. We just read this in our 260 reading just in the past days, if you've been reading along with us. And this is what he says in chapter four and then the very first verses of chapter five. Paul writes this and he says, since you, you believers, you like folks in the church, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former down and to the left way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. I want you to see something there. Just because you put your trust in Jesus does not mean that the old life is completely rinsed out of you. And there is this call, there's this responsibility. No, 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 you now know Jesus. Now you get the awesome opportunity to like throw off the junk. And I wanna tell you something. Listen, I'm gonna try to go as quick as I can because I want you to capture all of this, but we'll work through it quickly as possible. But I want you to hear something. When you meet someone who claims to be a Christ follower, but you can't stand them, like, oh, man, they're bitter, they don't love their neighbor, they don't want to foster kids, I mean, they're just like, oh, what? who are these people? Why do they claim to follow Jesus? Can I just tell you, they, they may have been exposed to the truth about Jesus, 
They may have even said yes to Jesus, but you know what they haven't done yet? They have not thrown off that old, corrupted, sinful nature that just wants to follow them. And listen, when, we're, when that's attached to us and stuck to us, how are we supposed to move forward up and to the right? You've probably then met somebody that was just stuck in one of these very unhealthy quadrants and you were just getting the, the backlash of that. That could be true for you and for me as well. Are we throwing off that old, down into the left way of life? But then he says this. There's this transition. And he says, instead, right, we've got to throw off the old. And he said, instead, let the scripture, or I'm sorry, let the spirit renew. Everybody say renew. There's this renewal process. Let the spirit, so God himself partners with us. Allowing the spirit of God to do what? To renew your thoughts and attitudes. But then he doesn't stop there because there's more that needs renewing. And we get to Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 and it says, imitate God therefore. Wow, I mean, just think about that. And we've talked about Jesus being up in that upper right corner of life, high encouragement, high challenge, that fruitful place, we're to imitate him in order that we could grow there. He says, imitate God, therefore, in what? Everything you do. Everything, every area of life is to be renewed in imitation of God. Why? Because you are his dear children. And then he says this, live a life that is up and to the right. I mean, you could like insert that. I, I believe that wouldn't offend God whatsoever. Live a life up and to the right. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. And if Christ Jesus is up and to the right, fruitful in everything that he did, now wouldn't we want to imitate him and live a life like that? So, he says we have to throw off that old corrupted nature that kept us trapped down to the left and then experience this renewal, this renewal. There in your notes, there's a little fill-in. Paul addresses in this passage both our thoughts and our actions. Our thoughts and our actions as followers of Jesus. It is not enough to know the truth or even to believe the truth we have work to do. This renewal work of throwing off and then walking in renewal in our thoughts and our actions. And I love that like we are called here to revolutionize every part of our life in Christ. He says in everything, right? Underline that word everything, circle that word. Every part of my life is to be revolutionized by Jesus based on his life. And we go, wow, we think about Jesus. How is this even possible? How could I do that? Friends, the way that we do that, this renewal process, it is not like snap your fingers and overnight. It is step by step. Yeah. It's learning the practices 
of orienting myself towards Jesus and saying, I don't want the old stuff anymore. I want to move on so that my life reflects you. So that when people say me, see me, they say, you're like, you're an imitation of Jesus, aren't you? That's why they called Christians, Christians. Little Christs. So that when people see us, they go, wow, you look just like Jesus. Best compliment you could ever get, you Christian. Because you're looking like Jesus. Step by step. Oh, wow, there's this men's summit happening next weekend. I wonder if I should go, for, go to that. You should. Why? Because it's a step. I don't know what God's going to speak to you, but could it be something that like you have needed to hear some point of breakthrough that you're going to experience? Connecting with our women, getting involved in different ministries or just coming up at the end of service and saying, you know what, I've been holding on to something I've been stuck in. Would you just pray for me? Yes. Having a conversation about foster, fostering, like taking a step, just, just step by step, folks. So, but I want you to remember, I'm gonna take you back a few months. If you were here with us in January, we did a, a series, it was kind of a four-part conversation. We called it being anchored in the Lord. Anchored in the Lord. And we talked about four different anchors or some of these spiritual practices that allow us to like actually move forward so that no matter what is happening in our lives, in the ups and the downs and the storms, right? We, we sang this morning in the blessing and in the breaking, yeah. right? Because we experience it all. This series was like, how do we anchor ourselves? So we don't just get washed away and blown over. And when I was probably in about the middle of that series in January, I really felt impressed by the Lord that those four things that we talked about, those four anchors, were not only for that season, kind of start of the year, let's anchor ourselves, we don't get washed away in 2022. Um, I really felt like this is not some like cookie cutter approach to like how to be a better Christian. These were like foundational truths that I felt for my own life, but for the life of our church family, no, these are meant to anchor us. These are meant to be like legit foundational steps that we need to take in order that we would be people who would be anchored together in Christ. And as I was reflecting on this series, I felt it was very important that we would go back and refresh our minds about what we learned together for those who were with us in January. And if you weren't with us in January, well, this is your like lucky day. <laughs> because we need to talk very, very quickly and succinctly. And you can go back and listen to that whole series or watch it on YouTube called Anchored in the Lord from January. I'd encourage you to do that. But I want to give you just like a little overview of each of these four anchor points. Things that we can do to take those small steps up and to the right. Before we get to anchor number one, can I, can I just share with you, when we go through this, if you're missing one of these anchors in your life, one of these four, I really believe you're going to face some hard challenges to move up into the right. I'm just warning you. If you're missing one of the four. If you're missing two of the four, in your life, watch out, because it probably is an indication that you're stuck in one of these unfruitful quadrants, right? Cozy, bored, or stressed out. So let's talk about these four 
anchors, these four spiritual practices. The first one is being anchored in the word. Anchored in the word. And so we just read in Ephesians 4 and 5 how we're instructed to renew our thoughts and our attitudes, right? We gotta get rid of the old and we gotta bring in the new. How do you think that is going to happen best, right? By watching Oprah, Dr. Phil, whoever the latest voice is, right? Like, do, do you think that's how you're gonna like renew your thoughts? No, listen, you know how it works best? By allowing God's word to like get so deeply embedded into our spirit that it like begins to just change really all of how we think and how this mental operating system that we have. In your notes there, you'll see 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where actually the word of God helps to describe the word of God and what it does for us. This is what we read. All scripture, everybody say all scripture. Is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and how to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. In other words, all that stuff that we're to get rid of in that renewal process, it's the Word of God that like informs us these are the things that stink, they're rotten, they need to go. And then here's what you need to have that would come in in that renewal process. We learn that from scripture. It says it corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what's right. God uses it, his word. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people, listen, to do what? To do every good work. Or you know what we can write there, kind of in the margin there? It equips us to be fruitful. You wanna know how to be fruitful? Be anchored to God's word. Listen, where else can we get both high encouragement from God himself as well as high challenge? High challenge. Where do those meet? In scripture. Can I tell you that every time you pick up your Bible, and listen, I love it that you're here today because you're being instructed in God's word. I love it if you like pick up a podcast from another pastor and you're like, like meditating on it, you're being instructed. Maybe you, even, maybe you even buy a book. Wow, like missional fostering, right? They're like, man, how, how do I put all this together and act this out in my life? Listen, I love all that, but there is no replacement for you and for me There's no replacement for you sinking your own anchor into God's word by just picking it up, just daily opening and reading. And every time you do, friends, this book, it is a miracle in your hands. It is, the word of God is a miracle. I love the fact that there's these two words that are embedded into that passage we just read. It said, that it was inspired by God, right? It's like God breathed. That's a miracle, but it's also useful in our lives, and that's a miracle. Because there's a lot of things out there that are not useful that we fill our brains with. But if you want something that is both inspired by God and useful in your life, dig into his word. I've mentioned 260 
We, we started this reading plan that many people have jumped in on this year. Why do we call it 260? Because there are 260 chapters in the New Testament. And there are 260 weekdays every year. So we're on this journey together. You can pick up a handout on your way out, or you can go on our website, sm4.org slash 260. You'll see it right there on our website. And go over there, and you can download the plan. We're, we just started the book of Philippians at the end of last week, so tomorrow's Monday. Come on. It's, it's 260 day. Jump in and read Philippians along with us. That's the first anchor. We must be anchored in God's word. Second anchor is this. We need to be anchored in prayer. We must be people of prayer. It is the first and foremost way that we learn to activate our faith. It's the first way. And you know what? There's a million ways to pray, aren't there? I mean, man, we can pray over our food. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're thanking God. We're, we're saying, God, thank you for providing this. Would you cause it to be healthy and fruitful in our lives? So don't pray over Candy bars and donuts, right? Because uh, God is a miracle-working God, but we have to take some responsibility. We learned that last week. Prayer fruitfully, we got to take responsibility. No, but we, we pray th- uh, prayers of thanks. We, we pray prayers of breakthrough when some situation is going on. And so we say, God, yes. Ukraine, God, yes. breakthrough. Lord, whatever it takes to stop the enemy's pursuit of innocent lives and a, and a nation. God, would you protect us? We pray for breakthrough. We ask for his favor in our lives. We pray over our children for safety, body, mind, and spirit, that he would keep them when we're not with them, that his grace would be poor. I mean, there's just so many different ways to pray, friend. But I, I love this, that, and, and it's there in your notes, that every prayer, no matter, listen, no matter what it is that you are praying, every single prayer is this radical act of faith. Every prayer is a radical act of faith because it is based on this hope-filled reality. Come on, you've heard me say this before. And if you know it, go ahead and say it. Jesus is here Jesus is good and Jesus is Lord. If one of those things is not real, then why are we even praying? Because it's as we pray that we are declaring, Jesus, I know that you're here. Because I'm not speaking to the air. I'm not like throwing my words at the ceiling here. You are here. We learn in scripture that God is our ever present help. Jesus promised us in his word, as he shared with his followers, he's like, I'm going to heaven, but guess what, guys? It's good for you that this happens because I'm gonna send my Holy Spirit who will be with you always. So every time we pray, we are declaring, Jesus, you're here. You are present, and because of that, you're hearing me when I pray. You're hearing me. But not only is he here, he's good. He's the good father. We read that he's the good shepherd. Every single thing he does is based on his love for us, his care for us, even when we don't understand it. It's like nothing that flows from the Lord, nothing that flows from the Lord is anything other than our very, very best because he is good. 
So when we pray, we're, we're declaring, God, you are here, but you are good. Not only will you hear my prayer, you're gonna answer it. I don't know how you're gonna answer it, but however you answer it, it's gonna be good. And then my favorite is that we, every time we pray, we are redeclaring that Jesus is Lord. Like there is nothing higher, there is nothing greater, there is nothing impossible for God because he is over all things. Jesus is Lord, amen? And every time we pray, no matter how small or big of what we're talking to him about, he is Lord over that. And so every time we pray, we're declaring, Jesus, not only are you here, so you're listening. Not only are you good, so you're gonna answer me. But Jesus, I believe that you have authority over every, every power and principality, everything in heaven on, on our earth to do the very thing, Lord, that I'm coming to you about. Come on, guys, every time we pray, it's a declaration, Jesus, you are here. Jesus, Jesus, you are good. And Jesus, you are Lord. Every prayer, even when you go home and pray for your lunch, Remember those things. And I love to hear what Paul wrote again to this church in Ephesus 6.18 where he says, pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Like this is meant to be this such a normative practice of Christ followers at all times. Stay alert and be persistent in this for believers everywhere. I love, Paul, could you be just a little bit more dramatic or emphatic here? It's like, all the time, for everybody, everywhere, be persistent. Why is he doing this? He's making a point because this needs to be an anchor in our lives. We drop anchor in the word and we drop anchor in prayer. These are two steps of believers who will move up and to the right. Third thing. Third anchor, you, can you handle two more? These will even go quicker, check this out. We're also to be anchored in mission. Anchored in mission. Listen, those first two, being anchored in the word and anchored in prayer is about our personal growth. It's like how I grow individually. How, how Pastor Tim grows in the Lord up and to the right. Saturate myself in the word spend time in prayer, trusting in Jesus, putting all my trust in him. But when we're anchoring ourselves in mission, it's this reminder that we're not only called to grow inwardly, we're to grow outwardly. There in your notes, it says this, this is about activating our faith. Activating our faith. Putting it into practice. Setting it into motion. Like I said, the word and prayer are about me growing. Mission is about taking our faith to the streets. Every place that he would send us, into our homes, into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, every place where he would take us, anchoring ourselves in mission has to do with expressing our faith. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five, don't hide your light. Don't do it. Don't hide your light. Let it shine for all. And then what do you, how do you do that? He says, let your good, come on, deeds. 
Underline that, it's there on your notes. Let your good deeds do this. Not just like your mouth and like what you say, and I love Jesus, great, show me. This is what Jesus is saying. How you're really gonna shine for Jesus is to let your good deeds glow for all to see so that they will praise your heavenly Father. We were never called to have a private faith. You ever heard someone say that? Oh, you know, I don't want to talk about religion. That's just like, that's private. <laughs> it's like me, my journal. I'm doing my own little spiritual thing. And so is it, you know, no, when you read scripture, ain't nothing private about it. That's <laughs> why once you say yes to Jesus, what are we called to do? Go to the waters of baptism. Like this public declaration, know that this is what my life is all about, symbolically, dying to myself, rising in Christ. No, the very first step we're to take after surrendering to Jesus is like get into the water in front of everybody. We are not called to have a private faith. And this faith is one that was designed by God that would be spread virally by you and me. That's this whole thing about mission. God could have sent angels, folks. He's in charge of them all. He just could have sent angels. But you know what? He chose to send you and to me. You and me. We have been called by him to join him on his mission of redemption in the world. So big. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Some more words here to underline. So my dear brothers and sisters, stand strong. Don't let anything move you. Anchored words. Don't let anything move you. Be anchored, my dear friends. How? Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I think we all need just to read those words together. Always... Come on, everybody. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your work in the Lord is never wasted. That's our mission, to join him in his work. Whatever we see him doing, we join in on that, whether it's fostering, caring for neighbors, serving safari kids, being up here to pray for people. I mean, whatever it is. I mean, it's just like activate Fully, always be doing this. Be involved in mission. Do you hear the high challenge also here in what's being written? High challenge. Get involved in the mission of God. It's not your, your little private love affair with Jesus. No, this is meant to be shared through your actions, your good deeds. Get after it. But not only is this high challenge, do you hear that it's high encouragement in these words as well? Because nothing you do in the work of the Lord will be wasted. In another translation it says, it will not be in vain. So many things we do in life, we just look back and go, man, was that just a waste? Like what I just did, how I spent those last hours, how I spent those last years? Man, was that just all a waste? Here is the promise of God that should be so encouraging to our souls. If you're looking for fulfillment and meaning in life, join me in God's mission. 
Do the things that he is calling you forward to do. Take responsibility, as we talked about last week, for your own growth and say, God, I'm getting after this. I've been sitting on the sidelines too long. I'm joining you on mission. Fourth anchor. Fourth anchor. First, being anchored in the word. Second, anchored in prayer. Third, anchored in mission. Here's the fourth one, being anchored in community. Anchored in community. In other words, none of these other three things are meant to be done in isolation. Even our learning of the word, it's why we gather. Why we pray for one another, not just on our knees by our bed all alone at night. No, we pray with and for each other. We are to do these things, friends, in community. I love the fact that we got folks online joining us from all kinds of different places. I can look on YouTube and see where a bunch of people are joining us from. It's always kind of fun, you know? It's like, wow. So I know we got Jenny listening to us in Pennsylvania this morning. We got David listening in Oregon. We got my, my, my dad and stepmom listening in, in Texas. I love that. Hey, everybody. But you know what? Especially those who are now like more a little online, especially after COVID. Listen, we don't get a pass here. We still have to find ways to anchor ourselves in community. Now, more and more, things can be done online, but that does not replace the fact that we can just kind of do this in isolation, right? We have to join with others. Why? Over and over again, we see in the New Testament that we are called the body of Christ. Very diverse, but then unified by Jesus himself to come together to operate as one body. I love this last scripture we're going to look at. Paul is talking in Philippians. We just read this just the other day in our 260 reading. And Paul says, whatever happens, and he's just been talking about the fact that he may lose his life in prison. He may lose his life. Or he may get set free and be able to travel again and join them in the city of Philippi. And he gets to this point, he says, hey, friends, whatever happens, it's all good. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you because I'm stuck in prison, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit. And I love these words, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. That's what we're called to do, friends. That's what you and I are called to do, to strive together as one. Yes, we're diverse. Yeah, my gifts are different than your gifts. My strengths are different than yours. My weaknesses, I know, are different than yours because you're strong where I'm not. You have gifts that I don't. I need you. You need me. You need the person sitting to your left and to your right. You need the people sitting right behind you. The people right behind you, guess what? They need you. (laughs) We're called to live in community. Listen, if one of these four things you did not find in your story right now, it's kind of like a little red flag. If I'm not anchored in the word, if I'm not anchoring my life in prayer, trusting in Jesus with everything, 
If I'm not anchored in mission and actually doing the good works that God created me to do, or if I'm not anchoring myself in community, sharing my life, like striving as one with those around me, it's red flags. Because we're called up and to the right. That place where we know the love of Jesus, his acceptance of us, even when we get it wrong, never changes. But that's accompanied by this high challenge. I have more for you. I have greater things ahead. You are not called to be unfruitful in your lives, but to bear much fruit in my name. Let's pray, friends. Lord, I am so thankful for your word and the richness of it and what we see together. God, I'm so thankful that not one person here is stuck where they are. Not one person is stuck. God, we find ourselves at times in some of these unfruitful quadrants of life where we've just become too cozy. Maybe we're the opposite and we're distressed or in that really ugly place of depression and just life is just boring and I, I don't know what the point is. But God, you sent your son that we would not be stuck, but that we would experience freedom in you. And so Jesus, Lord, I just pray for freedom. Lord, I pray for grace. Lord, there is no condemnation. Lord, if, we're, if we don't have one of those anchors in our lives, we don't have any of those anchors in our life. God, you don't beat us up over that. You love us in spite of that, but you, then you call us forward and say, but my children, whom I love, I have more for you. Come along with me and discover the riches that I have for you. They're yours today. Listen, I'm inviting our prayer team to come up and just to be available to pray for anyone who says, man, I've, I know I've been stuck places. I know that there's things that, that I need in my life to experience that I have not yet. Some of that fruit that Pastor Tim is talking about. I invite you before you leave today to come. But before we close, I also want to ask you this. Maybe the reason that there's no anchors, no spiritual anchors in your life is because you just haven't said yes to Jesus. You just haven't like surrendered your life. You're just, you're trying to like hold on to your own. You're trying to be your own anchor. And you're recognizing life doesn't work that way. I need to say yes to Jesus so that I can like we read today, that I can throw off all that old nature that was corrupted and nasty that I don't want anymore and that I can walk into this place of renewal in my life. And if that's you today, would you just say, just by looking up and like waving at me and just saying, you know, everybody else is closing their eyes. They don't care what's going on in, in, in you. This is a private moment. Just like look up and wave your hand and say, by doing that, you're indicating, Pastor Tim, I want to say yes to Jesus. I don't want to be my own anchor. I need Jesus. Anybody today just wants to say, that's me, that's my story. Amen. Yeah, ma'am, I see you right there in the back. Yeah, yeah, bless the Lord. Yeah, ma'am, I see you as well. Thank you. You are so loved by God. 
And even though I don't know your story, you know what Jesus does? He knows every bit, every day, every hour, and he loves you unbelievably. And online, if you're joining us and you wanna say yes to Jesus, man, I encourage you to go over to our church website, sm4.org. You're gonna find a place where you can contact us. You can like reach out and, and say, hey, I, I wanna let you know that I've said yes to Jesus. Can you help me grow? May it would be our honor to do that, to be part of your faith community. Jesus, empower us now to live for you. Empower us day by day, moment by moment, as we live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless the Lord. Hey, I want you to stay seated for just a second because we're gonna let John and Don Stone transition out here to the lobby. Um, they've got the missional fostering books. If that just strikes a chord in your heart, what God's speaking to you right now, maybe even with this mission, like being anchored in mission, uh, get a book, we're gonna pay for it. We're buying those for you. So anybody that wants a book, we're buying them today. And, uh, get in, and start a conversation with the Stones about what, what could this look like for me. Church, you're loved. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.